Thank you for joining us in Nicole's Hen House. I'm a millennial mama on a mission to rewrite the narrative of women in our generation by discussing our roles in health, business, entertainment, and politics. If this resonates with you, please leave a review after the show. As always, cheering for you. Hello, friends. It has been a while. Um, you know, Rona hit, and I just kind of couldn't keep up. Um, yeah, I didn't do so hot with staying on task. Um, I feel like the rest of the world shut down for Rona, and my life didn't. It just got busier. Um, which is par for the course. I, my life never seems to work in, it, it never goes as according to plan. But right now, it, there is a gentle summer rain that is perfect for a Nicholas Sparks film. And it had me thinking that I hope each of you, if you have not ever had your kiss in the rain notebook moment, I really hope you have that. Um, however, that is not what we're talking about today. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a well-wish, so to speak. Um, it's just very picturesque and lovely outside, and that's the imagery that came to mind. Um, today, I want to talk to you guys about Yahweh. I, I understand the belief system that I'm about to share, and I get it, Um and the only reason I'm bringing this up for you is because this has come up in my friend's circle a lot lately, and I want you guys to see freedom in that. And what I'm going to debunk is this. This is the subject of today's episode. I don't know how long it will last, but, uh, you know, we'll be here until it's over. Today, my topic is, well, I don't want to say my topic. The topic of today's podcast is God is not mad at you. Um, oftentimes we look at our circumstances and they don't go the way we expect them to or the way we want them to. And so we believe that because we're not getting our desired result, that God is punishing us or that somehow we have to do something more or create a certain behavior pattern or a certain work pattern to earn his favor. Um, in some ways, conservatives, uh, in, in some ways, conservative Christians remind me a lot of Old Testament Jews or Israelites where the, there's still the mindset of you have to follow the rules of the law, otherwise you'll receive punishment, and that punishment looks like not getting what you want. And the fact of the matter is, is that God is better than Santa Claus, and so you don't have to earn your behavior or you don't have to earn your gift these like he came to give us a life of abundance um so god is not santa claus he's even better because it's not works related however there is something to be said for stepping into alignment um and coming to terms with where you actually are in the with your salvation um and what i've noticed is many believers don't actually believe Jesus loves them. They don't actually believe God loves them. And and I'll be specific and talk to you. Many people, like, do you actually believe God loves you? 
Do you actually believe that Jesus loves you? We're going to unpack that in just a second. Um, but to, I'm, this is going to be repeated in today's uh, talk. God is not mad at you. He's just not. Um, there are consequences to our behavior patterns. And some of those behavior patterns we are very aware of. Um, and some of those behavior patterns are the result of subconscious. There's, how do I want to say this? Uh, there is not a set of rules that God has to be mad at you or to punish you. Um, there is judge, there is due course judgment, but that is different from punishment. Um, there is a cause, there's not always a cause and effect to our actions. However, there is a, I feel like I, that was redundant or a contradiction. Um, let me find a better way to say this. There are consequences, not punishments. Um, the other thing that we have to understand about this and about Jesus and the Trinity is that they honor boundaries. So the Holy Spirit, Yeshua, Yahweh, they honor boundaries. So if there's an area of your life where you're not seeing fruit, it could just be something as simple as not inviting them into it because they're not going to push their way into your life, into their lives without consent. Um, I think so often we expect Jesus to be like, oh, you are going through hell right now. Let me jump in and fix that for you. Or, you know, we pray, you know, okay, well, God, I did these really good things. Why isn't this happening? You didn't fix it. Well, you didn't ask him to. You expected him to, but the expectation for him to fix something that is out of alignment is not the same as asking him to partner with you in that situation. And the other thing, this is so important, and I'm seeing this across the board, uh, and I've been seeing it for a couple of years, and I, I thought, well, maybe this was just an isolated incident, but it's not. It seem, it's happening a lot lately. Um, and this is not to make you question your salvation, but to understand the basis of the relationship you have with Jesus. Are you in a relationship with Jesus because you feel compelled and drawn to his love? Or was this a societal decision that you made to gain acceptance from your family and your peers and the congregation you participated in? It is okay if you can be honest with yourself and say, oh, actually, you know, when they gave this altar call prayer, I went because I felt pressured to do it. And I went because I felt like if I didn't, people would judge me for not accepting the sinner's prayer. And then I'm a shameful person because I didn't accept this prayer. And you guys, that's not salvation. Um, it, it's not. Um, that's also not an encounter with love. That's an encounter with guilt. With guilt. And... If you have not have an, had an encounter with love, but your conversion experience was one that was born out of guilt, it's okay to admit that now. And the next step to 
to fostering a relationship with Yeshua is inviting him in, is saying, hey, uh, Jesus, this is really bad. Um, or it doesn't even have to be because your life is like going like hell right now. It could just be because you want to feel the presence of God. And you can invite him in any time. You can say in your own space, uh, Jesus, I want to know more of your love. And I receive your peace and the love that you have for us. Specifically the love you have for me. And he will meet you there. He will great he will put himself in a position for you to feel his love. He will not withhold that from you. Um so let's go back a second and talk about the the first thing that comes to mind when people feel like God is punishing them. He is not. However, um there are some life principles that apply to um my mic is doing something real weird. There are some laws of physics that apply to our physical world and our metaphysical world and when I talk about metaphysical world I'm addressing our spirit world the world where we pray and ask for relationship with Yahweh and then we have this expectation of things to happen so um, we all took a sixth grade science class um, and so there's this Newton's law and it says this there is no such thing um, as an accident or there is no such thing as a um, like there's he basically suggests that there's no accidents um, the law is this uh, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction so let's say your desire in your life is to have a better job. Okay, what conscious thing, what physical things, what task, what um, what things do you need to get a better job? Do you need to beef up your resume? Do you need to just ask for a raise? What action can you take to expect an e equal or opposite reaction? The second thing to do is to look at your inner workings at the inner workings of your heart and mind. Do you actually believe that you are worthy of a raise? Are you going to invite Jesus to partner with you to see that raise come to pass? Um, another example could be you want to have a close relationship with your husband and you want to be seen by him. So to do that, you just expect him to be romantic towards you and you just expect him to hold your hand um, but if you want your spouse to do something for you you have to tell them and it gets and then like make it possible to receive their love you have to create a pathway for alignment um, and then you have to identify what subconscious things may be there that where you're not going to receive that. Um, you could not receive that raise because you subconsciously don't believe you deserve it. Uh, you could continue to fight with your spouse because you've grown into a pattern of, re of re 
you've grown into a pattern of bitterness and fighting because you had to fight for where you are. So instead of engaging in love with your spouse, you're engaging with a fight. Um, these are just some examples. They're not, you know, the entirety of it. Um, but take whatever that situation is in your life and figure out, do you feel like the Lord is punishing you? Um, and maybe you don't feel that way that, you know, not every podcast is for every person, but this is for the ones who feel like God is mad at them. And the answer is 100%. No, he is not. Um, I have some more notes. Let's just go down. Okay. Um, Inviting Jesus to participate in life with you is not the same thing as being codependent. Um, I hear if you're part of a charismatic congregation, one thing you'll hear is like, well, the Holy Spirit told me to like pick out these dishes or the Holy Spirit uh, told me to put this on or had to ask the Holy Spirit what I was going to make for breakfast today. And those are fine training exercises. Okay, we all start somewhere. However, if you're 40 and you can't figure out how to make a, sound, a, a good, healthy breakfast for yourself without the consent or without relying on Yeshua, then that is not, um, that's not what we mean by like walking in the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, what that means is that it's codependent and you are looking for a place of control to exist. Um, that's not what I mean by inviting the Holy Spirit or Jesus to partner with you. Uh, what I mean by inviting Jesus into your life is, let's say, let's take parenthood, for example, because that's where I am right now. Parenthood is really, really hard right now. I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Teaching them healthy coping skills and how to manage their emotions is one of the hardest things in life because, listen, toddlers know it all and they're going to tell you exactly how much they know and how much you don't know. Uh, so I this is hard by the nature of it. It is made harder when I don't seek wisdom. Uh, where the fault line comes in is when I expect wisdom to be given to me from Yahweh without asking him for it. Um, so here's like, here's the physical steps. Here's the, the train of thought for this. Um, okay, so like we've had a rough few days. The prayer is this, Jesus, this is not going well. I surrender my control and my will in this, and I invite you and I welcome you to speak peace to my mind and speak peace to my kids' hearts. Jesus, I ask that you would create a spirit of unity with me and my kids and yoke with us right now in this season where you are invited to create a place of love in our hearts. So that's it. It's prayers like that that I say throughout the day, throughout the week, where I invite Jesus to come into my life and to come into my family's lives to make lasting impact. And those prayers apply to any season of life. Um... Hold on, I, I want to pause for just a second. 
Okay. There is such a, because there is such a thing as being out of alignment, anything we do from our own will um, is either with God and rooted in peace or we're relying on our own self. And oftentimes we turn to rely on our own self when we don't get the instant response that we're hoping for. So, well, then Jesus must not love me. Or you demonstrated love to your partner and then your partner snapped at you. And then it turns back into your response of, oh, well, God is just mad at me. Or if Jesus really loved me, he would give me a husband who loves me back. Or... Jesus must not love mothers or toddlers uh, because this just feels really hard right now. Or, you know, I thought God loved me and I thought he was going to give me this raise. Those are trains of thought where we feel punished or invite a victim mentality, which is not how we are called to live as believers. That actually puts you back into a codependent place where Jesus is your master and he's in control and that's not the kind of control he really wants to have over your life he wants to have this mutual respect of give and take where he's invited to be somewhere and you're yoking in relationship with him i think the reason this is so misunderstood in christianity and with congregations is because of the bad teaching about job so we are all taught um Job was perfect and flawless, and then he was still tested and tempted by the Lord. Um, That's not true. Uh, (laughs) And you need to go read it uh, a, a couple of times. That's not my interpretation of that. I'm also a Bible college dropout, so it's okay if we don't agree with that. Um. You know, we think that God is looking after these perfect people to justify or to test or to punish because if you survive that test, then you must really love Jesus and you're going to get a big prize at the end. And that was not the point at all. Um, I want to read these notes um, because I thought they were pretty good. Okay, hold on. I'm going to find it in just a second. Okay. Um, I'll collect my train. Uh, the, the train of thought is this, that uh, Job was perfect, and he was tested by God, and because he was tested, he was punished. Um, that's not true. Job had righteous behaviors. He had correct behaviors. He did the practices of Judaism correctly. However, the error was thinking that he earned those things and that he earned the good things in his life because of that correct behavior. Um, And then that was why God demonstrated favor to him, which later we find out at the end of the book, that's not why God demonstrated favor to him. And in fact, to demonstrate that, that's why everything was removed. Um, 
the the good things in Job's life were not removed to punish him, uh, but rather to invite him to have a relationship with Yahweh, because prior to the loss of his family, he did right and correct things for Yahweh. He was not in a relationship with Yahweh. And so often we find ourselves in Christianity doing right things for God or doing right things because that's what we're supposed to do. And while we're doing all of those right things, never once do we invite Jesus to participate in life with us. We do these good, right works to earn privilege, to earn blessing, and that's not how it works. Um, Jesus performed miracles uh, because he knew who he was, because he knew who his father was, and he knew who his father was because he spent time with him. Likewise, we cannot reflect a savior and we cannot expect good things from someone we don't have a relationship with. You can do your kid's laundry and you can do your spouse's laundry all day long. You can do whatever you want to in the world for them. But if you are only serving them, not asking them to partner in relationship with you, you're going to have an unsatisfied marriage. You will have an unsatisfied motherhood. Our relationship with our creator is the same way. Um... Oftentimes, we don't invite Yahweh into these places where we feel like we're being punished because we're afraid of what he might say. We're afraid that he might reject us, that it's not worth the time. You guys, it is always worth the time. You know, like I had a fit with my sewing machine a few weeks ago and I just had to like stop and invite Jesus to be in it with me and, you know, have my words like, Jesus, you have given me a sound mind. Will you be patient with me and sit with me and help me figure this thing out? And he did. 20 minutes later, it was okay. Uh, But I had to stop and recognize why I was getting frustrated and then invite him to partner in this hard thing with me. And he did, and I figured it out, and it was okay. Um, that's no, that's not codependence. That's consent to participate in a relationship. Um, there are some steps to. There's there's some steps or trains of thought I want to, just you know, toss out there. If this resonates, awesome. If it doesn't awesome. I, I, I understand that as this podcast has transpired, there's been what would appear to be contradictions, but it's not. It does come full circle. Um, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So align with love. And to do that, you have to surrender. And I don't mean surrender to control. You have to surrender your ability to be right or your rightness. Job did not willingly surrender his rightness. It had to be taken from him. So let's go through some examples with this. Um, 
at some point you have to surrender the ideal of whatever it is that you want. So let's say you're working with your spouse on something and y'all just aren't coming to an agreement. Are you not coming to an agreement because you want to be right? Or are you not coming to an agreement because you feel like you aren't being heard? Have you surrendered your ability to be right to get to the heart issue of it? Are you trying to juggle a bunch of goals right now? Do you need to push all of your goals? And if you're trying to push a lot of goals and you feel like they're just not coming and you're just hitting roadblocks, what is the root of that? Surrender all of the goals and figure out the root. What is it that you are really fighting about? And give yourself space to surrender to that train of thought. Um, example, do you really want to lose 20 pounds or do you want to feel beautiful? You're surrendering the idea of weight loss to get to the root of the problem, which is your identity. Do you believe that God really loves you? Or do you subconsciously have disbelief because you felt coerced into believing a God that will punish you if you don't love Jesus? And I want you to be honest with yourself. Like, take space to be honest with yourself about this train of thought. Um, You can be cold-hearted, brutally honest. Jesus is not afraid of your honesty, neither is the Holy Spirit. In the South, we sometimes, and I have seen this happen, there's this coercion of conversion where tons of people go to the altar, but they never actually felt the presence of the Lord. What they felt was guilt and condemnation, and then they said a prayer because it made sense in their peer group at the time. But then after that summer camp was over, they really didn't know what to do because they didn't actually feel loved. They felt coerced from guilt and shame. So have you been adopting these behaviors that were societal norms from a place of guilt? What have you been doing with your faith since you were 11? Have you been trying to earn the affection of a God who already loves you? That you didn't actually have to, like, you just needed to give consent. There is a place for repentance and um, confession. That is not the basis of salvation, and that is not the basis of Christianity. The basis of Christianity is not determining that you are bad and you have to do works to earn this love. The basis of Christianity is you are loved. Repentance and confession removes the guilt and the shame of whatever that action or thought was. And you invite the Holy Spirit into it to breathe life and hope. Not because you are bad and he is good, but because we were meant to work in harmony together. Job had to get brutally honest, and it took someone much younger than Job and his friends to teach him this. Job doesn't figure it out until, like, chapter 30. He lost everything, and he did everything so-called right. He did the fast. He did the, the offerings. He did the sacrifices. He participated in every sacrament and every holy day. He did it on behalf of his family. He was right. 
but he was not in relationship with Yeshua. He did not walk with the Lord. He walked for the Lord. Later in the book of Job, there's repentance. But what Yahweh wants, and the way this works, is with consent. Um, if you have a laundry list of things that are misaligned or that you feel like aren't going your way, have you asked Yeshua to be yoked with you in those situations or did you just expect him to come in where he wasn't invited? I use the analogy of a spouse because it's so easy for me to relate to that. Did you just expect your husband to know that you were having a bad day and you never told him that you were having a bad day and you just needed him to fix it? You didn't ask him. You just expected him to do things. Yes, God is a merciful and loving God and he, his love, it will not be withheld from us. But if we're not expecting to receive his love, we're just expecting him to correct a mistake. That is a one-sided relationship, my friends. Jesus is so much better than what we've been taught in congregations, but we have to be willing to surrender these old mindsets and also realize that he's good and he is patient, and with that comes consent. And with consent requires communication. Um, He is not going to force his way. The Trinity desires relationship with us. Yes, Just like God could have saved Jesus from the cross and he could have instantly um, pulled Jesus off of that, um, off of that dead tree, he didn't. And in very rare cases and in very unexpected cases, that's not going to be our daily life. There are consequences to our actions. However, consequences are not punishments. They are just consequences. However, they can be redeemed as we invite Jesus to breathe and speak love and hope into those places. Um, The Trinity desires relationship with us. A relationship with communion is not just righteous puritanical behavior. Um, Communion It's just like with your spouse. Yes, you can do their laundry every day. Or you could talk to them while you're doing laundry and figure out what the next step is for y'all's relationship. Jesus is the same way. Um, And the other thing you have to do after you've figured out where you are and where your heart is postured towards Jesus is you have to expect to see him. You, you need to look for good in the land of the living. And you need to stop punishing yourself because you think that you didn't do something right. And now you're being punished. That's not how this works. That's never how this works. Um, Job's life was restored to him. And so if you have been through a season of major misalignments, know that restoration is possible. Invite the Holy Spirit and invite the Trinity to be with you in all walks of life. There is nothing that the Lord is 
afraid of or unashamed of. If you are married and you want a better sex life, ask Jesus to give you insight for that. Stop just expecting your spouse to know what you want in bed. Have the conversation. Um, If you want a baby, if you want to have a baby, ask Jesus to partner with you and figure that out. Um, If you need a breakthrough with a legal matter, you are not being punished. Repent, surrender, figure out the root issues. But God is not punishing you. Instead, what he wants to do is to be invited into your space to walk out your salvation with you. Uh, The coercion that we experienced in congregations is not a good reflection of Jesus. It's not a good reflection of the actual God I love. It is a reflection of people who wanted to see transformation as the result of their own teaching. At the end of the day, anything that's done out of coercion is not love. It's coercion and it's control. There's tons of reasons why people do it. But I want you to come to terms with your own salvation. Why have you been doing what you're doing? What is your expectation of Yahweh and Yeshua? And do you want this to get better? And if you want it to get better, know that you are not being punished. You are not being, like, good things are not being withheld from you. There's a psalm that says the Lord will not withhold good things from his people. So there's two trains of thought of that. Either you, A, there's something that is out of alignment that you need to step into alignment with and come awake into. Or that thing is not for you. So if you're asking for a new job and you haven't gotten one, then you wait for the right one. If you want a spouse and you don't have a spouse, then you wait for the right one. If you want a baby and you don't have a baby, you wait until the Lord gives you this child you have prayed for. Um, In the meantime, there is space and opportunity to work out your salvation. Um, And not from a place of works, but from a place of invitation. Jesus is so for you. He is so for you. Um, And he loved you first, and he will make space for you. There's nothing God wants more than to partner with us, because he could do it all on his own. But he's not going to be a controlling God. He's going to be a God of consent. All right, I love you guys. Um, I'm going to close out with the verse that I find very encouraging. Um, Job 8, 7. And though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. You guys, we have very great things coming. And I know this feels like the worst time in the world to share this verse. But good things are coming. They are coming. In due time, we will see the good things. Let's continue to surrender our rightness. Invite the Holy Spirit to bring truth and wisdom so we can step in alignment with heaven and foster a strong relationship with with Yahweh. Alright, I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to Nicole's Hen House. It is a great value to me to have your ears tuned to the variety of guests on our show. 
If you found this content insightful, I would greatly appreciate a review on any listening platform. To contact Nicole's Henhouse, visit the site, nicoleshenhouse.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Nicole's Henhouse. As always, cheering for you 